Welcome to Deepak Casts, a podcast series from the DeBartolo Performing Arts Center. My name is Ted Barron. I'm the executive director here at Deepak. And for this series, Indie Film, we're taking a closer look at some of the major works from the history of American independent cinema. This week, we're closing out our series with a look at Sean Baker's acclaimed film from 20, uh, 2015, Tangerine. So when we started this podcast back a few weeks ago, we talked about some of the innovations that um, independent filmmakers have used. Uh, often these are innovations that are uh, made out of necessity. Um, uh, in, independent films are uh, noted for being low budget, so filmmakers have to find kind of creative solutions uh, to putting productions together um, and finding ways to uh, make use of the resources that they have. Um, you know, there's the factor of films that are being shot on location and how is it that you're able to kind of capture events as they're happening. Um, so when we when we started this exploration of independent cinema, we talked about the film Little Fugitive, uh, where Morris Engel um, was able to use essentially a, a, a proto Steadicam device to follow Joey Andrusco, the little boy uh, at the center of the film who plays uh, Richie. Um, as he's wandering around Coney Island and uh, having this portable camera made it possible to capture footage that he never would have been able to do if he was shooting in a studio or if, if he was working um, with a camera fixed on a tripod. Um, in the 90s, um, there's, it's a notable period. In the 1990s, it, it, there's a notable period of development of independent cinema where filmmakers like Kevin Smith – um, who made the film Clerks and Robert Rodriguez, who made um, El Mariachi, uh, were noted for shooting their films on a shoestring budget, uh, often uh, using 16 millimeter cinematography, um, and gaining quite a bit of acclaim because of the fact that uh, the films were, um, in their initial form, uh, you know, uh, so so uh, you know so low budget in the in the process. Um, but ultimately were made more accessible through significant post-production work. We also talked about um, filmmakers like Andrew Bujalski associated with the Mumblecore movement um, who uses uh, or who used 16 millimeter cinematography when he made his first feature, Funny Haha, um, as a way of um, not only keeping costs down but also kind of capturing a sense of immediacy in, in the way that he followed uh, the characters around um, and, and exploring their respective lives. Um, when the filmmaker Sean Baker set out to make uh, Tangerine, um, he took advantage of advancements in digital technology. You know, this is a film made in 2015. This is at a point historically when we're thinking about, um, you know, a pretty solid transition to digital video production. Not many filmmakers are shooting on film by the time we get to the 2010s. Um, but through advancements in digital technology, he was able to devise a film which, which drew on some of these earlier innovations, but ultimately provides something that I think is, is quite original, um, in both in terms of its form and its content. Um, the other thing that we've been noticing as we've been exploring this history of indie film is that indie film is, uh, provides a, a unique space for representation. Um, you know, one one example is that we've seen uh, uh, we've talked about the significance of women directors uh, throughout the history of indie film, whether it's um, Claudia Weil uh, directing Girlfriends or Kelly Reichardt um, uh, directing Wendy and Lucy. 
and some of the challenges uh, that they faced as as directors, um, both um, Weil and Reichardt um, have periods of absence essentially from uh, the filmmaking process because which they attribute to um, gender discrimination, uh, but also recognizing that women in those roles uh, provide a perspective that maybe doesn't get seen and is actually quite resonant um, if we think to um, you know if we think to something like Girlfriends, a film that really connects uh, with uh, with a, with uh, women's experiences, particularly you know in that moment of the 1970s when uh, women were being considered more seriously uh, as both as artists and um, uh, in other ways. Uh, but we've also talked about representations of race and ethnicity. If we think about um, the work of Charles Burnett and how he gave voice to uh, Black Americans through. Uh, films like Killer of Sheep and um, uh, Wayne Wang representing the Asian American experience in Chan is Missing. Um, we're seeing that the indie film uh, lane essentially provides space uh, for uh, filmmakers to be, to have their voices heard and suggests a more kind of inclusive view of the world. Um, for the film Tangerine, directed by Sean Baker, who it should be noted is a a white, uh, straight, cis male filmmaker, um, he decided to explore the lives of black trans sex workers. Um, so, you know, uh, 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 offering an avenue of representation in where he's represent, representing um, – those who are different from him, but uh, but employing a process in which uh, in which there uh, which there was kind of care and attention to being true to those experiences. So Sean Baker had been making films since the mid two thousands. Um, he had been working in the industry for even longer than that. Um, but his first feature film uh, was a was a micro budget project that he made for three thousand dollars, titled Takeout, that he co directed with uh, Xi Ching Sao, who's uh, a, a a, a, a Taiwanese woman that he worked with over the years. Uh, she typically appears in his films um, in in various uh, roles. Uh, we see her. Uh, we'll see her. You see her in Tangerine as the woman who uh, who runs the donut shop where some of the climactic events take place within the film. Uh, but Takeout was made uh, on a on a super low budget um, and established uh, a model for him that he was able to employ. Uh, for the next uh, several years, um, but Baker still kind of remained under the radar um, as the movements of the 2000s, whether it's the mumblecore movement or the the sort of neo neo realist movement that I talked about in our last episode, um, and and even though his style kind of reflects some similarities to those respective movements, um, there's something there, there is something unique about his work. Uh, when we talked about Mumblecore, we mentioned uh, the brothers Mark and Jay Duplass, who uh, directed the film The Puffy Chair, and went on to a degree of success not only as actors. Both Mark and Jay Duplass have acted in uh, several films and television shows, uh, but they actually were able to have a fairly successful career as filmmakers, both um, working in feature filmmaking, but then also in television. Uh, they made a deal with HBO to 
to uh, produce the series Togetherness, which was short-lived but, uh, but, but received a, uh, quite a bit of critical acclaim. Um, and that success allowed them to establish their own production company where they could then help other um, independent filmmakers get their work uh, produced. So uh, through Mark and Jay Duplass, uh, they were uh, in their production company, uh, Sean Baker was able to pursue this project, Tangerine, um, but on a fairly modest budget. Uh, the budget that they provided was only $100,000. Um, as he, as, as uh, Sean Baker developed this uh, project along with screenwriter Chris Burgock, um, they were interested in building a film around a specific neighborhood in Los Angeles, which was frequented by uh, transgender sex workers. And so in order to be true to that story and be true to that, that experience, uh, they connected with a local um, LGBTQ resource center um, and uh, started to talk to some of, the, some of the people who lived in the neighborhood. And this is where they met Maya Taylor and Kitana Kiki Rodriguez, um, who um, told them stories about what it was like uh, living in that area as trans women and developed stories which were ultimately built into the characters of Alexandra and Cindy, uh, who were actually played by Maya Taylor and... Uh, Rodriguez, um, and that becomes the basis for the film Tangerine. So what the film centers on is this very volatile friendship relationship between uh, these two uh, these two women who who work as uh, who who are sex workers essentially. Um, Alexandra and Cindy. Alexandra is eager to get her big break as a nightclub singer, while Cindy seems to be uniquely driven uh, to locate. Uh, a, a young woman who's been uh, hooking up with her uh, with her boyfriend, uh, Chester. Uh, we keep hearing her uh, talk about Chester, and eventually, when we meet Chester, it's it's quite a it's quite a moment within the film. Um, literally cir- circling them within this world is a cab driver named Razmik, uh, who's an Armenian man. He's married. Uh, he's an immigrant. Um, he's living with his immigrant family. And he puts all of that at risk uh, as he's desperately trying to connect with both Alexandra and, uh, and Cindy. So um, the film kind of observes uh, these characters as they're going about their daily lives. It uses a lot of humor. It's a quite, um, you know, while, it, while there's a, a kind of harrowing element to the way events unfold in the film, it's often quite hilarious. Um, there's, a, there's a real strong, uh, uh, Baker, Baker infuses the film with a lot of comedy uh, that plays really well. And it's often um, comedy of misrecognition. Um, while that's also tempered with um, some really um, heartfelt moments, including the film's uh, very powerful uh, finale. Um, so among the accomplishments of this film is that, you know, if we think back to, and this isn't that long ago, this is 2015, um, just this, you know, more recent history of Hollywood filmmaking, um, we're starting to see more representation of uh trans characters within film, but those are often played by actors uh, who, who are not trans. Um, and those, and, and particularly when we see act, Hollywood actors playing these transgendered characters, they're often earning accolades, Oscar nominations, in some cases Oscar wins. Uh, think of uh, Jared Leto and uh, the Dallas Buyers Club. 
Tangerine uh, marked a pretty significant leap forward in casting uh, two trans actors in these in, in its lead roles, and perhaps an even bolder choice given that neither of the two had ever acted uh, in film before. Um, so really kind of taking a chance to see um, how that would play out. Um, but what the film's probably most noted for is its, is its extremely innovative production process. Uh, Sean Baker was feeling the limitations of his production budget. Um, $100,000 can only get you so far if you're making a film in 2015. So this was also – this happened to coincide with uh, the release of what was then the iPhone 5. I guess we're, we're several generations ahead of that iPhone at this point. But when the iPhone 5 was released, one of the, one of the things that people noted about it was the advancements in its uh, digital video technology. And its ability to to cap to film uh, events uh, uh, or to film to be used as a as a camera and actually record um, using digital video in a way that um, that had never been possible before with these devices. So uh, Baker um, kind of looked into whether he could use the iPhone five as his camera for for shooting the film. And, you know, it should be qualified to say that, you know, it wasn't just simply him taking, pulling his camera out of his pocket and going and shooting scenes. He did make enhancements with lenses and with, um, with motion smoothing apps so that um, he was able to film um, uh, traveling shots within the film without too much, uh, without too much disruption. Uh, but ultimately, he went forward with this process of, of using the iPhone as his camera, uh, which saved a lot of money on the production budget. Um, but, but more importantly, it, it allowed him uh, to film these events with much more spontaneity, uh, which was important because he really wanted to capture the essence of what, uh, what life was like in this particular area of L.A. at this particular moment in time. And like we've seen in a lot of other films that have been discussed uh, in, this, in this series – um, it's often the you know the city or the you know the place that has that plays such a central character in the film, and we could go back to many earlier examples of this, whether it's New York or Boston or Chicago or uh, other cities uh, or or smaller places as well or smaller towns as well. Um, Tangerine was a was a critical success uh, at the time of its release, uh, very well reviewed, and interestingly marked the first time that a, that a studio had attempted to campaign for the Academy Awards on behalf of transgendered actresses. So to actually have um, uh, Maya Taylor and um, and uh, Kitana Kiki Rodriguez considered for acting for female acting roles uh, was a big step forward. And while that campaign wasn't successful, Maya Taylor did win the Best Supporting Actress Award at the Independent Spirit Awards, which, which interestingly was held uh, the day before uh, the Oscars ceremony that year. And uh, we could argue that since that film was released and, and the attention that it received, um, we're probably seeing less uh, actors who are not transgender playing transgendered roles. It seems to be more of a standard within the industry now to have uh, that representation be be more genuine. Uh, Sean Baker uh, goes on to a fairly a pretty interesting career as an independent filmmaker, uh, probably most notably with the Florida Project, which came out a couple of years later, uh, featuring a really wonderful performance by Willem Dafoe, which was also uh, which was nominated for an Academy Award and sadly did not win, uh, even though he deserved to. Um, and then more recently, uh, Red Rocket, um, which is a fascinating uh, film about a uh, 
a, a, a young man who, uh, actually not so young man, who had had a career in uh, the adult film industry and is trying to kind of go straight in uh, in his return to his uh, Texas hometown. Um, but but consistently, what we're seeing in Sean Baker's work is this, um, you know, commitment to using more independent productions. Not to say that you know he's moved on from using the iPhone uh, as a as a production tool, but trying to tr- to use some of these strategies of independent filmmaking to be uh, to to provide a more authentic reflection on the American experience. And I think that's what we see consistently within his work. Um, and uh, he's definitely one to one to keep watching. So, so this wraps up our series. I don't have any big conc- uh, conclusion to share, other than um, you know it's been a great pleasure to explore uh, these works. Hopefully, if you're a listener, that this has opened up some avenues to to think about some new films and maybe provide interesting ways to think about other films that that are of interest. I want to give a special uh, recognition to um, the folks who've made this series possible, Uh, Kevin Krismanich, who's served as our producer uh, for the film, uh, recording all of our episodes and editing them. So hopefully uh, uh, you can hear me clearly and and, and I make sense. So I'm I'm indebted to Kevin forever for that because that's quite a task. And then Stacey Stikovich, uh, who helps to uh, uh, promote our series and and, uh, make the the podcast available wherever you may be listening to your podcasts. uh, and and uh, has always just been great about uh, finding ways to 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 uh, share our series uh, more widely. So thank you, Stacy. Um, so that, as I said, wraps up our series on indie film. We hope to be back soon with a new series uh, for Deepak Cast. So please keep checking our websites. Follow us on social media, uh, whether it's Twitter, or Instagram. Uh, Facebook, wherever wherever you like to get your social media info. And uh, we'll be back soon uh, with a new series of Deepak Casts.